1: This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. The White House is for sale. The first, worse than that, the first family is for sale. The president is for sale. The first daughter is for sale. The first sons are for sale. The next thing you know, the first lady will be for sale. Not yet, but it's only a matter of time. You know... And it reminds me of, I was just looking this morning, of um, Winston Churchill, uh, who was having a conversation uh, famously with a woman one day at a dinner party, and she said uh, something about, they were talking about how much, (laughs) what it would cost, she wanted to know how much he would pay to sleep with her. Uh, No, Churchill said, would you sleep with me for five pounds? And the woman said, What kind of, Mr. Churchill, what kind of woman do you think I am? And Churchill's famous response, Madam, we've already established that. Now we are haggling about the price. I think we've already established what kind of people we have in the White House or will as of January 20. We're only talking about the price. I mean, it is beyond business conflicts now because we know about all the business conflicts well i'm sorry we don't know about them that's part of the problem all we know is there are legions of them right we know that trump the trump empire remains the trump empire even though he's in the white house we know that they're continuing projects in some 30 40 50 countries around the world, around the globe philippines turkey india he's even <laughs> He, he met with Carlos Slim, the wealthiest man, I think, on the planet yesterday, because, of course, he wants to do some more projects in Mexico, even though he's been attacking Mexico for the last year and a half. So that is going to continue. There will still be Trump Towers in Chicago, Trump Tower in Chicago. There'll still be the Trump Hotel, the Trump Tower, rather, in Manhattan. There'll still be the Trump Hotel here in Washington. So you've got all of those conflicts which are just going to continue, the, a, a conflict, for example, where uh, the Trump Hotel here in Washington, D.C., as we saw, actually called all the foreign diplomats in Washington in and said, hey, you want to you wanna get close to the new administration? You want the president-elect to maybe to pay attention or the president to pay attention to you? Here's where you ought to hold your receptions. Here's where you ought to hold your meetings. Here's where your foreign diplomats ought to stay when you come to Washington. Just up the street from the White House in the Trump Hotel. See, all of that got got going on. And then it's not just Donald Trump with a business conflict. How about the first daughter, Ivanka? She's got her whole clothing line, fashion line. She's the one who was on 60 Minutes, and then her fashion line puts out uh, an, an, an ad hawking the $10,000, what was it, $10,700 or $10,800 bracelet yeah. uh, that she's that she's wearing. So she's going to be working in the White House, occupying the office of the First Lady, and she's going to have her whole line of accessories out there as well. We've never seen the hawking of the First Family like this. Now, as if that's not bad enough, and they may frankly, be able to get away with that, now I think it's gotten to the point where it is really, really disgusting. Here's the latest. Uh, earlier this week, actually, um, a Eric, uh, Eric Trump, who has a foundation to help the St. Jude's Hospital, I believe it is, uh, put up a little auction item. You can have coffee with my sister. Yeah, auction with my sister. You can have a coffee with my sister to raise money for the hospital. Uh, it'll only cost you $50,000. Mm-hmm. You can sit down with Ivanka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for fifty grand, right? So well, expensive cup of coffee. Expensive, even more than Starbucks. Yeah, uh, barely. People raised some eyebrows about that and said, no, 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 this doesn't sound right to hawking off the first daughter. And so they dropped that one, okay? You would think they might have learned something. No, 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 no. TMZ now reports that on January 21, get the, the day after the inauguration, while all these mega donors are going to be in Washington, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are having a little reception at the Washington uh, Convention Center. It's actually the Walter Washington Convention Center, where they are going to... Um, For their foundation, hawk off a couple of items. Get this. For a million dollars, that's called a quote, bald eagle supporter. For a million dollars, you get a private reception and a photo opportunity with the President of the United States. Yeah, they're auctioning off the old man. It's right there. You get a private reception. And a photo with the President of the United States, as well as a multi-day hunting or fishing excursion for four guests, with Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump. Get it? You can go hunting, you can go fishing with the two boys for four days, for uh, four with four friends, multi days, and you get a photo op and a. Uh, and a, a meeting and a photo op with the president of the United States for a million dollars. I'd rather go hunting with Dick Cheney, frankly. Yeah. Now, if you are a second tier donor, a grizzly bear donor, oh, god, you are also uh, you also get a private reception and a photo with the president of the United States, and a hunting hunting trip with his sons, who of course are known. For being big game hunters, they, they, they love to go out after elephants and leopards. I mean, can, can you? is there any way, is there any way that we could accept this as being proper behavior for the occupants of the White House for the first family? It is just disgusting. It is so tacky. It is so cheap. And it ought to be, if it's not, totally illegal. I mean, this makes the the Clinton Foundation, right, look like the little sisters of the poor or something. <laughs> I mean, uh, that money was not going. At this, well, I would say, this money is not going into their pockets either. Uh, and and the Clinton Foundation money wasn't going into the Clintons' pockets. But but it wasn't it wasn't the selling of the White House, this selling of the First Family. It is just disgusting. And on top of that. On top of that, now, well, what about these ethical conflicts? Don't these a lot of people are asking? Doesn't these really? Don't these really produce incredibly complicated ethical conflicts? Of course they do. And so, Newt Gingrich yesterday on the Diane Reem show, Newt Gingrich, he was asked, "What should we do about that?" And Gingrich says, "We should change." The ethics laws. Yes, there will be some conflicts. But if anything proves to be under present law unacceptable for what the Trump family is doing, and not only the business conflicts that exist, but the ones they're creating by the selling off of the first family, Nick Ingram says we should simply change the ethics laws. Change the ethics laws for Donald Trump and allow anything to pardon me to go, including, he says, Getting rid of the emoluments clause, which means that which 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 prohibits now American presidents from accepting gifts from foreign leaders. New King says we should get rid of that, too. So Vladimir Putin can give Donald Trump anything he wants pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to what's happening. This is how it begins. This is it. And I mean, you know, look. Yeah, we're used to dealing with differences in policies, and God knows we've got that with Donald Trump. But you would think there would at least be common ground in ethics and in decency, but not with this first family. How disgusting. They're just a bunch of carnival barkers who are out to make the biggest buck they can, starting even before they occupy the White House. We're here with Igor Volsky from the Center for American Progress Action Fund. I guess you know. That was a, the only this, one left. It's like a ghost town, right? I know. Yeah, right. here we are. Uh, so this is uh, the holiday season, of course, with all the uh, Christmas shopping, and uh, you know, a lot of things you have to ship those gifts, right, and pay extra extra costs to get the gifts to your friends. Well, not if you're a member of the NRA. No, if
2: you're a member of the NRA, uh, you get a discount of up to 26% on your shipping with FedEx. Why? Because FedEx has a business relationship with the NRA where uh, NRA brings them the customers and gives a certain amount of money. There's a certain agreement, gives a certain amount of money. Back to the NRA. And this is really one of the tools that the NRA uses to keep its members happy. You know, there are about 5 million members. Mm-hmm. Only a small number of that 5 million are kind of like the hardcore gun touting folks who call the offices during key political moments. But they sustain their members and keep them loyal by g- getting these kinds of gre- agreements with all kinds of big American companies. So, FedEx, Visa. Uh, Many others, all of the car rental companies, for instance. And so Guns Down, the gun uh, safety group that I run, has launched a campaign uh, to call on FedEx to end this relationship. Absolutely. And yeah. not only because, you know, politically uh, it's it's a big problem, but also because it really undermines FedEx's values and FedEx's brand. You know, FedEx actually invests a lot of money and a lot of time helping underserved communities, which of course clashes mightily with what say, the NRA yeah, is going, trying to they're do. They're going in different directions Completely here. different direction. Um, And so if folks go to GunsDownAmerica.org, sign the petition calling on FedEx to break its ties with the NRA. We're also going to have a whole host of different actions in the digital space, on the ground actions um, in Atlanta, in Denver. And in uh, Memphis, uh, uh, calling again on FedEx to break its ties with the NRA. 26% discount, Bill. 26%.
1: GunsDownAmerica.org. There's no justification for that at all. (music) President Obama on another round of golf yesterday, enjoying his vacation in Hawaii. But before he took off, uh, he met with uh, us at the White House, his final news conference of the year, maybe of his presidency, uh, with a uh, a lot of news came out of that news conference. Jordan Fabian was there for The Hill.
3: I just Uh, want to stop. I just want to let you know, if you were to have any sort of medical emergency while on air, Bill's your guy. Yes, Bill can help you out. I yeah, witnessed this. I, I was two rows away. I was very impressed, Bill. <laughs> it was uh, heroic.
1: <laughs> that was the famous... volunteer fireman, former Boy Scout. That was a famous fainting, the famous guy you want. The famous yeah. fainting institute uh, incident, rather. And uh, the one thing all of us learned, thanks to the president of the United States himself, is where the doctor's office is located. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah. Just go through the palm
1: doors. It's right. Right next to the map room. Okay, okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. Under control. <laughs> Did you know where the doctor's office was? I
3: did not. And now uh, <laughs> now during the holiday party, you know, I'll just <laughs> sneak
1: in there. Wander <laughs> off. Right. Oops. Well, it is right the door next to the door we go in. Exactly. the holiday party to get your photo with the president, Yes. Right? Yeah.
3: And you're always waiting in that room for a
1: long time. I know. Now so, you know. Just go uh, next door. Yeah. Just but hang out in the doctor's I've, office. I've asked several veteran White House reporters if they knew. Was I the only one who didn't know where the doctor's office was? Nobody knew. No one knew. No. Yeah. Yeah. Big secret, now we know, next to the map room. All right. Jordan, good to see you. Good to see you, Uh, too. What led the news conference and dominated the news conference were questions about hacking. Uh, And the president insisted, well, that he handled everything he said. We did things exactly the way we should have. And I didn't say anything publicly. But when I saw Vladimir Putin, I saved it up. Here he is.
4: In early September, when I saw President Putin in China... I felt that the most effective way to ensure that that didn't happen was to talk to him directly
1: and tell him to cut it out. And there were going to be some serious consequences if he didn't
2: cut Cut it it
0: out.
1: out. Right. I thought he went pretty easy on Putin and on Trump. What did you think? I think you're right. Um, I uh, with Trump in particular, it was
3: very interesting because he had a lot of blame to spread around for these hacks. You know, Russia. The news media sort of, uh, you know, scolding us for, for covering WikiLeaks and, uh, and you know, society as a whole for you know, fighting amongst itself. The one person he didn't blame was Donald Trump, who, you know, has said, who encouraged Russia to hack Hillary Clinton's emails, who has, you know, dismissed the intelligence surrounding this in, in a, a way that has alarmed a lot of people in the intelligence community. He didn't blame Trump. He, he said... Uh, you know, I I think Trump is still learning the ropes. Yada yada yada. I think he wants to keep a line of communication open with Trump. This is he's been talking to him a lot since Trump won, and he thinks that he can influence him and maybe convince him to keep some of his uh, accomplishments intact. So uh, I think even though he's alarmed about this hacking incident, he values uh, his relationship with Trump over uh, over that.
1: So uh, we'll get back to Russia in a second. With Trump, You do you, do you think maybe he feels that by, um, by working with him and staying close to him that he can also persuade him maybe to— to knock some of the craziness down and to have a more rational or more reasoned or more thoughtful approach to the presidency.
3: Yeah, it's it's a hail mary, you know, late <laughs> in, in, the, in the fourth quarter of Obama's presidency, as yeah, he likes to call yeah, it. Right. But but that's what he's trying to do. I mean, you you know, Trump has said he wants to you know repeal Obamacare. Uh, you know, Hill Republicans are very uh, gung ho about that. You know, roll back all the climate regulations, immigration, all these things. So I, I think Obama, you know, is trying to talk to him privately and convince him. You know, hey, here's why this might be tough to do, and, and here's why you might actually want to keep some of these things. You know, especially on, on I think on the on the climate deal and healthcare. You know, saying you know, if you get rid of Obamacare, there's going to be 20 million people uninsured, and and if your allies in Congress don't have a replacement, that's going to be a big political crisis for you. So,
1: um, yes, I, I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. Right now, so on Russia. I mean, the president made the decision to and he defended it there uh, uh, vigorously at the news conference that that he was not going to do any th- publicly condemn Russia at the time. Right. Uh, he had the intelligence agencies look into it, but he's going to do it all privately because he said he feared that he he might be perceived as trying to tilt the election toward Hillary. Yeah. Well, right. I, which which I, I question. I mean, did anybody doubt who the president was supporting? <laughs> in the presidential election right i mean he was campaigning for hillary clinton yeah. so yeah. Uh,
3: you, know, the, the, you, you know he went to multiple campaign events raised money for her so the, yeah there, there was no doubt and I, I think i think there's valid criticism here that what he did you know him boasting that you know he's told putin to cut it out and that it stopped this it's too little too late I, you know, they they hacked the DNC. They, Plus, they it didn't stop. Right. I mean, Debbie Wasserman Schultz had to resign on the eve of the convention, which was a huge distraction for Democrats. And then you had the Podesta emails coming out. I mean, I you know I guess they were hacked before uh, uh-huh. you, Obama right. talked to Putin, if we're to believe uh, you know his account of the events. But those emails were coming out into October, uh, you know, month before election day. So uh, yes, the, maybe that stopped the hacking but at that point the the ship has sailed i mean all the bad the damaging stuff was out there so clearly i think there needed to be a more forceful
1: forceful response at least that's what you know hillary clinton and her allies believed that, right the, yeah that that there should have been a more forceful response on the part of president feldman so now it looks like jordan that um russia in fact for whatever motivation, whether they were trying to throw the election for Donald Trump or just so confusion, that they did interfere in the American election, and is anything going to happen? Well, the the president said there's going to be a response,
3: um, but as far as what we're going to see of that response, it's unclear. Um, He is doing this whole review, and then, you know, at the end of his presidency, and who who knows what the timeline is, whether it's going to All this is going to happen before he leaves office. I think it will because we're not sure if Trump wants to do anything about it. But this goes to a broader point about what the president's critics have said about his handling of Putin for many years, is that he hasn't done enough to deter Putin's activities, whether it's hacking, whether it's in Syria, whether it's in Ukraine, that all these things that the president has done to try to curb his influence in in places that America cares about, now our elections, has not been enough to really do it. So uh, I think this is another example of that.
1: Yeah. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Right now, pleased to be joined on our newsline by the chief political correspondent and the senior staff writer for Politico, also host of Off Message, uh, and I'm just told, that's right, I saw that announcement, I forgot. just yeah, right. announced that he is moving to the New York Times. We're talking about our good friend Glenn Thresh. There are a lot of questions about where the hell the Democratic Party uh, is going. You talked to one man who hopes to lead it, Keith Ellison. Is he going to be the next DNC chair? What do you think?
4: Uh, you know, I'd still give him the inside track. <clears throat> he got out early. He got the endorsement of the uh, the first couple of progressive populisms. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders, unbetrothed though they may be, uh, and then you, and then he uh, snagged Chuck Schumer, who uh, con, con, you know who can yep. sense the political winds better than anyone else. And then, of course, we saw this rehashing of his statements as a law student when he was twenty, twenty-one years old about right. Louis Sarkon not being an anti-Semite, and then some remarks that had been taped privately where he uh, said, I don't think disparaging things about the State of Israel, but, you know, sort of the typical thing that you hear uh, folks who are uh, more inclined to consider the Palestinian position that, you know, Israel, a country of seven million, has disproportionate influence, which, incidentally, is indisputable as a factual matter. So I think... He is facing some headwinds, and I think the biggest headwinds are coming from, paradoxically, from the first African-American yes. president, whose staff is very, very much behind Tom Perez, the labor secretary.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but I, I agree that I think Keith Elson's a front-runner, but I was struck uh, Friday when the president was asked about Tom Perez, I mean, boy, he walks on water as far as Obama's concerned, I mean, he... he he obviously didn't take sides, but I don't think he had to. I thought it was pretty clear from his remarks that, that he t- doesn't see Keith Ellison as the best fit for the DNC.
4: Well, they don't want Ellison, okay? I mean, they don't yeah. want Ellison for all the reasons. Uh, you know, <coughs> Ellison, who, I, who, by the way, in the interview, is, he's an enormously engaging guy. I don't care if you agree with him or Absolutely, him. yep. And he speaks very candidly and, I think, convincingly about his evolution uh, ideologically and why it is he had that flirtation with the nation. I think there are, there are some uh, folks on the right who think it was more than a flirtation. I think it's very much in dispute at the moment. Um, but I, I think, to some extent, politically, Ellison's approach is antithetical to Obama, who did as much as he possibly could to downplay uh, a lot of that stuff. I mean, that was his entire playbook in 2008, less so in 2012. So I think there is a sense that what the lesson taught us was that we need? Was that as Democrats they need to reach out to the to the middle to the you know to white working class voters? Actually, more white upper income voters. Uh, the other thing about it, though, I will say, and you know this bill fairly well, the rank and file of Democrats outside the cluster of Obama people, people who are interested institutionally in the Democratic Party, don't want to hear anything from Barack Obama. Yeah, uh, he degraded the DNC. He put very little time and resources in it. He didn't challenge Debbie Wasserman Schultz's. Uh, Suzeranti over there for a long time, which is very unpopular. And then he created this alternative structure, OSA, right. used to be Obama for America, now Organizing for America, with the exception of the Affordable Care Act, doing some organizing around that it has been a total bust as an alternative, mm-hmm. uh, so to hear Obama talk about party building, uh, you know, is like to hear to hear my son's lecture about keeping a room clean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when you look at the uh, the losses in the Senate, the losses in the House, the losses among the governorships, and the losses among state legislature legislators, uh, the Democratic Party is in, in a shambles today, uh, and under the after the last eight years. So, well,
4: except for except for a couple, there's a couple of key data points, right? Three million more votes nationally for their presidential candidate. Uh, true, candidates. true. The yeah. majority—okay, my numbers might be off on this cycle, but in the last two or three cycles, they have cast a majority of votes in, in congressional and Senate races, right? Yes, uh, but— And not only that, mm-hmm. the Times had a really interesting graphic a couple of weekends ago. On the issues, practically every major issue, Democrats have an advantage with the public. Right. So what you have here is the opposite of the Republican Party, which is a party of— has become a brilliant executioner of process, right? Yes. The Democratic Party actually has the policies that, that most Americans want. The problem with the Democrats is, from, you know, from sort of a political science perspective, is Dems are crappy at process. The, you know, $50 mm-hmm. million dollars was spent by Ed Gillespie, who I think is the smartest political operative uh, in the Republican Party. Uh, eight, nine years ago on the Red State Project about winning back yep. state legislatures, yep. which, of yep. course, leads to redistricting, which, of course, leads to the House. Right. Dems, I think, if Dems are really going to claw their way back, they have got to start focusing and putting real money into into grassroots process
1: stuff. Absolutely. And, and that, by the way, is the focus of Keith Ellison and Bernie Sanders as well. I mean, what you say is right. The Democrats have the policies, but without the power... <laughs> You can't do anything about the policies, right?
4: That's right, and you know, you know, I mean, you're from that uh, that kingdom out west, right? What's it called again? California. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may be an independent nation or state the way things are going right now, but for now well, we're one of the 50 states, yes.
4: Well, part of the issue with, with the California donor class in particular, you know, uh, is the Tom Steyers of the world are very issue-focused. And, you know, obviously these are fundamentally, like, climate change is not a small issue to deal with. But the truth of the matter is uh, the Republican donor class, the Sheldon Adelson, the Koch brothers, are much more focused on process. And, and I would urge your listeners – I'm really on the friggin' soapbox here. but the, Good for you. I Go w- for it. I would urge your listeners to – if there is one story that has been written that explains the difference between the two party parties and illustrates the Republican success, which ultimately led to Trump's election, read Jane Mayer's piece from a couple of years ago in The New Yorker about uh, how – a relatively small amount of money—I think ten or twelve million dollars—spent by a billionaire
1: mm-hmm. in North Carolina completely
4: altered that state's political
1: yeah, environment. right. I've got to forget his name, but he's the uh, he's the Koch brother yeah. of uh, North Carolina. Right. Well, Art Art Page, is that it? Maybe that's it. You got good yeah. memory there. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, no, no, no. Absolutely. In fact, that was an ex. That was a kind of a. Maybe a chapter in of Jane's book *Dark Money*, which is uh, which was absolutely terrific, absolutely, yeah. yeah, and certainly one of the best books of uh, of 2016. And it lays it, it really does lay it uh, all out there. Uh, yeah, do you may think the big day coming up is January 20? No, 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 no. For many progressives, the big day is January 21. The planned women's march on Washington, which has received a permit from the National Park Service to conduct that protest march on the 21st. I can tell you um, that uh, the press household will be bulging with people who are coming here, most of them from California, uh, camping out on the floor and every available bed, couch, sofa, whatever, um, to participate in that march. Emily Crockett is here. She's been reporting on it for Vox joining us in the studio hi am i nice hi, to Phil. see you nice to be here what are the plans yeah.
0: yeah so they the plans are still developing but the permit was the big thing and so yeah. they finally gotten the permit that was the um the big worry now the organizers settle along you know don't change your flights we got this and turns out they did um there was a bit of confusion over whether because the original plan was to start from the lincoln memorial that turned out not to be possible because it's going to be oh. used um, for you know for inauguration stuff. Like they set up a stage and it's a yeah. big construction uh-huh. zone, it's yeah. a big mess. Uh, but that got around the internet as like women's march barred from Lincoln oh. Memorial, which was not, yeah. but like everyone was, and or at least that appeared to be the case. And there were still some people, you know, mm-hmm. upset about that and trying to uh, litigate around it. But but now they've um, so they they have a location. They're going to start from. Uh, third in Independence, I believe, outside the Capitol, and then they're going to march to uh, the White House, I think, and the, I'm not sure of the exact route, and they're still working on, uh, you know, uh, speakers and so performers. Third and Independence,
1: <laughs> right down the street here, southeast. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah just right. like right in front of the Capitol. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then around the yeah. Capitol, maybe and down Constitution to Pennsylvania and to the White House. Is Most that- likely, yeah. That's the plan.
0: That seems to be the plan, yes.
1: All right. And any idea? First of all, who's organizing this?
0: It sprung up as a just viral idea on Facebook. Yeah. Um,
1: But somebody has risen to the leadership, one would hope? Yes.
0: Yes. Um, There are four national co chairs, um, including Bob Bland, one of the original. Uh, organizers and then there are three other uh, women of color organizers who have uh, you know done uh, who organized a big you know criminal justice march um, from DC to New York as our call so so they've and and they've they, they've got like a you know it you know started as a just viral idea on Facebook and then they you know it was really kind of chaos for a while and they actually yeah. found some organizers and uh, Do we you know,
1: know? Are there any big speakers that, that are uh, listed I am, yet?
0: I am not sure yet. I have not not checked in a few days, but like, yeah, not I I think I mean, they're still this, working on the program. It's going
1: to be like an Elizabeth Warren, maybe. Uh,
0: yeah, it's it's, it's hard uh, to say yet.
1: Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I'm just trying to think of. Yeah, yeah, I mean
0: they, yeah they they haven't um and uh at least at least last I checked they hadn't like finalized any big. Speakers, um, they're still yeah. working on that,
1: but. but but it is going to take place. Mm-hmm, definitely yeah. taking place, right? Yep. And I mean, from from what I've heard, it's <coughs> going to be it's going to be yeah. huge. Yeah, could
0: could be big. Could be you know at least a hundred thousand, maybe two hundred thousand people. Uh, the permit is for two hundred thousand people, so that is apparent. That's how many people the. Organizers, you know, reasonably expect or hope to show up, and there's there's at least a hundred thousand people just RSVP'd on Facebook, and of well. course, and you know, you know what Facebook RSVPs mean, but, <laughs> yeah. But if half of that shows up, right, right, you know. and then and then you figure, you know, some are RSVP'd on the national, sure, some right, on their right. state pages, so uh, you, you figure that people will just sort of show up from from around. Um, well,
1: man. I mean. Uh, we're going to provide, yeah, at least half of that.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just from the Bill Presto yeah, audience, for, right. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I have some co-workers who, you know, or one of my co-workers, yeah, you know, was just like, yeah, you know, my mom is wants to fly out here. She's never done a protest before, but she's really fired up for this. It's, it's, it's really. I think it's you know kind of uniting some generations. Uh, uh,
1: and is there a one if people want to find out more about it? I don't even. I, I don't know because I haven't looked it up. I just know these, you know, our family members, <laughs> of our family and fr- and their friends are coming. Yeah. Um, is, is there like a website or is it where do people? Uh, it's find it's out basically
0: about? the Women's Mark- March on Washington Facebook page. Um, just the the national. Facebook page, you know, if you search for Women's March on Washington, it'll probably be the first thing that, you know, you know say national, yeah. there'll be 100,000 people or more RCP, right. okay. it'll be, can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. We should put that link up yeah, here absolutely. on the website. Yeah. yeah uh, definitely. Women's,
1: yeah. Women's March on Washington. Um, it, it, and of course, that will be the first day of the Trump administration. Um, <laughs> what can women anticipate more <laughs> oh, progressives as on the agenda for the first 100 days in of the Trump administration?
0: Well, if the House Freedom Caucus plan is any indication, uh it'll be a just deregulatory festival um and uh, on women's health specifically um well the the House Freedom Caucus plan that they released is mostly about regulations that they would like to see repealed so this is this isn't even about passing new laws like a like a bill to defund Planned Parenthood, which you can pretty much. Bet your money that they will try to pass that because, I mean, with Mike Pence as the VP and Trump planning, promising, although to uh, (laughs) to uh, to cover it as a uh, as a pro-life Republican. Um, uh, It is, you know, obviously the Republican Congress has tried to defund Planned Parenthood many times before. They have been stopped by uh, by by Senate Democrats, which could still be the case this time around they could still be filibustered and it still could um fail to make its way to trump's desk um but they could always try some kind of reconciliation budget nonsense um and it's a bit complicated but there are just many there are many different ways that they can try to uh, defund plan parenthood but uh from the from so from the regulatory perspective um uh the House Freedom Caucus and this is the, you know, obviously the far right uh or just the right-wing members of Congress um
1: uh the Tea Party crowd Yeah,
0: yeah, Tea Party crowd, some others as well. Um they would like to uh to bring back the global the global gag rule uh which was the uh international family planning um it's 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 a ban on funding for foreign NGOs who Either provide or promote abortion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that promote part is incredibly broad. Uh, so you, they call it the global gag rule, and of course they don't. They call it the Mexico City policy, um, yeah. but it is it is called the global gag rule because you will lose funding if you literally tell your patients that abortion exists. Like you can't counsel them, you can't refer them, you can't anything when it comes to abortion. But that's
1: been off and on. Was it first yes. on under Reagan?
0: Yeah, it was first on under Reagan. Um, and yeah, it's it's been just seesaw back and forth yeah, depending on who's right. in office. And Obama repealed it again in 2009. So it's been out of effect since 2009. Now the Helms Amendment already prohibits federal funds from funding right. abortion abroad. But this goes much further. And it's 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 sort of what they do with Planned Parenthood. It's they, you know, they can't, like, already federal funds cannot pay for abortion directly. But they would like to still punish abortion providers by trying to punish them by, you know, taking away their funds if they still provide abortions.
1: Um, how about the uh, contraceptive policy in the as part of Obamacare? That's yeah. On the, that's one of their goals, too,
0: isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it is, or it, it certainly looks like, at the very least, it appears that they are going to try to target the religious exemptions um, under the Obama administration. Now, it's, it's a little strange because um, it's not clear— How exactly they're going to, you know, if they're going to try to repeal the whole benefit or if they're just going to try to weaken it in some way. Maybe they'll um, maybe they'll, you know, take emergency contraception off the list of things that that insurers have to cover. Maybe. But certainly they will try to um, uh, they will try to, you know, what what the Hobby Lobby and the you know these big Supreme Court cases were about this contraceptive mandate and, you know, what religious employer, but not just religious employers, but you know, religious, you know, corp- owners of corporate of private corporations, um, and also uh, uh, and, and and religious companies that didn't want to fill out a form. Like it's basically they just want they just want to be. They don't want to be accommodated they want to be exempt they just want they don't want they don't even want to have Mm. to fill out a form because that makes them complicit in sin and they don't want emergency contraception anywhere near their anything and so they are probably (coughs) going to uh, do something about that and now of course if the if the Affordable Care Act gets repealed then you know birth control benefit goes with it but the birth control the contraceptive benefit in particular is more vulnerable than the rest of the health care law, because a lot of that can actually be done through regulations.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, and not to mention, uh, a Supreme Court appointment, which will oh, yeah, yeah. come early on, and yep. and Trump has made very clear yes. his agenda. The, the one commitment that he wants from anybody to be considered for the Supreme Court is to overturn Roe v. Wade.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, he it's, it's interesting because when Trump says that, it's very yeah. clear that that's the intention, but he often kind of can't bring himself to say it directly. Right. But yeah. but it's, it's always like, you know, it's like A to B. Mm-hmm. It's just very clear that that's what he means, but he almost can't bring himself to say it directly. But yes, like when he is asked about Roe v. Wade, he says, well, yes, I'm going to appoint pro-life yeah. justices and... Well, if it's overturned, then women will have to go to another state. Like he he just it, it clearly has never thought about this before. But <sighs> but the, the interesting thing about Roe, though, is that, you know, so Trump is going to appoint one Supreme Court justice at least. But the, he's replacing Scalia. And so that doesn't actually change the balance of the court that much. There is still a five vote majority to protect Roe v. Wade as long as the liberal and justices oh. and Anthony Kennedy we have are still there
1: right exactly yeah. as long as the that the five who are there yeah. right now do remain mm-hmm. right
0: the parting shot with Bill press this is Is the Bill Press show.
1: Yep, in the end, all the hullabaloo about the Electoral College uh, didn't make a lot of difference. Yeah, there were a few defectors, but in the end, Trump easily won the electoral vote and will be our next president. But while the protests didn't derail Donald Trump's presidency, they did have a profound impact. They focused attention on this ridiculous Electoral College and uh, I think increased the pressure to get rid of it. I mean, let's face it. The Electoral College is an anachronism, an ancient and embarrassing part of the Constitution that no longer makes any sense. We've already jettisoned other useless parts of the Constitution, so let's jettison the Electoral College again and replace it with a simple democratic rule. Whoever gets the most votes wins the election. Period. That's it for today, folks. Come back and see us tomorrow. This we'll be looking is for the you. Bill Press Show.